So let's take our Bibles and we'll turn to 2 Timothy. And tonight we'll consider the gospel, the light of life. This is 2 Timothy, the first chapter, verses 10, 11, and 12. We'll read the end of 10 here. The Bible says, Our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I am appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. So my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, let's consider two personal benefits of the gospel that we find in this text tonight. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would excite us about what you have set before us. Our world sets so many things before us, so many sights that dazzle. We pray that this would draw our attention as it indeed deserves. And uh, we thank you for this word to encourage us. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Recently, I received an email from my email provider. It was a notification about a settlement. I guess my email provider had done something wrong. Someone had filed a suit, and the suit was successful. And the notice was to make me aware of it, to allow me to evaluate if I had been wronged, and if I had, then I could seek reparations. And I think if I read the email right, if I had a valid claim and sent it in, I could get $12 or something like that. (laughs) And I wasn't really motivated to waste my time and do that. But what we find in 2 Timothy 1 concerning the gospel is something that really matters in life and is worth our considering. You see, in the context of suffering for the sake of telling the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul shares two marvelous realities that are made known through the gospel. You see, the gospel holds something out to us. The historical events of the death and resurrection of Christ, they hold out for us personal benefits. And there are two of them tonight in this text. Jesus Christ first abolished death. That is a benefit by way of removal. He abolished death. Christ put an end to death. Now, what kind of death is Christ talking about? It obviously can't be a physical death because people have been closing their eyes in death for thousands of years, ever since Christ. Therefore, the death must be something different. The death that Christ talked about in Matthew 10. Fear not those who can kill the body. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You see... We observe today the death of the body at a distance until it's our time. Yet the death of the soul is something that comes after this life. When one stands before Christ the judge. When he decides then to destroy both soul and body in hell. So how is it that Christ ended death? Is it that Christ has made the decision not to prosecute on the day of judgment? Well, if that were so, how could we consider God to be good and worthy of honor if he is unjust to allow man to value other things without any consequence? You see, putting an end to death 
was not accomplished by sweeping sin under the carpet, but through a sacrifice. Because death is not a, a personal foe that you can conquer in battle, like David conquered Goliath. And death isn't a personal being like the devil that Christ will conquer. But death is ceasing to live. The destruction of the body and the soul is an event. But how is that event abolished? Death is abolished by being prevented. And we live in the day of prevention because people are taking great measures to ensure that they're not transmitting or contracting coronavirus. And the basic point is we can stop the spread of the virus if we take precautions. In a similar way, spiritual death may be ended by being prevented. Death is prevented by dealing with the sin that causes it. All the way back to the garden, God said to Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. He tells us death spread to all men because all sinned. So in order to abolish death, Jesus had to deal with man's sin, his falling short of the glory of God. And that is accomplished by two means. Through the imputation of the perfect righteousness of Christ and the substitutionary death of Christ. Because one day we will stand before God. And for a man to stand guiltless before Christ on Judgment Day, he has to have positive righteousness. And Paul tells us about this. Christ, one act of righteousness, leads to justification, being declared righteous before God. By one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That's the positive aspect of imputation. The negative aspect is the substitutionary death of Christ. Christ prevented our spiritual death, the wages of our sin, by dying in our place for our sin. His wrath against our sin was propitiated, Romans 3.25 says, through Christ's blood. So it's through imputation and through substitution that there is no cause for death. There's no reason for us to be condemned on judgment day. Through Christ's life and death, he abolished spiritual death for all who take refuge in him. And that is just a marvelous benefit. We will never be destroyed, both body and soul, in hell. Secondly, we see in the passage, not only does Christ abolish death, but he illumines the way to eternal life. This is a benefit by way of addition, because formerly we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were blinded by the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4. But Jesus offers imperishable life. Our lives right now only last so long, and our bodies only last so long. And the joys that life holds only last so long. And with the passing of time, we're not able to enjoy the the things of life so much. And Solomon warned about this. He warned the young to be wise because the days are coming when you'll say, I have no pleasure in them. And we of late have had physical difficulties in our congregation. We've had difficulties with seeing. We've had difficulties with chewing. And it could be many, many more things, but what we can see and what we can eat to enjoy those, those are gifts from God. But with our failing bodies, we can't enjoy them as we once did. We can't enjoy them because our bodies are perishable. One of the greatest things that we come to realize 
is that Jesus is going to change our bodies. That comes up in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says this, The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And that's just amazing. Because people advertise every day ways to change and improve your look. They advertise clothing so you can update your look. And they advertise workouts so you can chisel your look. But who would have ever dreamt that there would be such a change available to go from a perishable body to an imperishable body? That is held out for us in the gospel. Through the gospel, Jesus offers a glorified, resurrected body that cannot deteriorate or die. And that is a uniquely different sort of life than what we have now. It is imperishable. Jesus offers pleasures of life forevermore. You see, the life that Jesus offers isn't simply the promise that you'll exist forever. You may be familiar with the children's animation movie entitled Cars. And that highlights a famous but fictional town called Radiator Springs on Route 66. You know, there are all those towns that people would go to on Route 66. But they've become ghost towns because of the construction of the highway. And the fastest routes are the roads that people travel. So now once thriving towns are simply dots on the map. Dots on Route 66. And here's the point. The life that God promises isn't simply being a dot on the map of existence. He promises meaningful, joyful life in his presence. The psalmist says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And it's the gospel that says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. So it's Christ through the gospel who illumines the way to eternal life. And that is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Hard for us to even imagine. You know, it's a lot better than the $12 that was held out to me in this email settlement. This is death nullified. This is life illumined. And both of those are through the proclamation of the gospel. Because Jesus said, I give to my sheep eternal life, and they will never perish. And that's what's held out for us in the gospel. Father, we ask that you will encourage us with what you have given us through the gospel. Lord, we look forward to experiencing it. We pray that you will help us to long for it more and more as the days go by. In Jesus' name, amen.